Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today, I am interviewing Sorella Harada, who is the co-founder of Simply, an ethically sourced ingredients company with the largest mission of transforming a fraudulent international supply chain. Sorella focuses on domestic and international operations, marketing and sales, and has contracted over 150 million in purchased spend and developed relationships with more than 200 suppliers. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. And thank you for having me here today. So give us a little bit of, you know, your background and growing up. I know you grew up in uh, Peru. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Yes, I grew up in Lima, Peru um, in South America. I moved to the United States when I was 14 years old. Um, But back at home, my parents ran a small chicken coop of organic chickens to support um, Lima. So Growing up, I was very close with farmers coming in and out with feed of animal. Um, my mom developed her own formula to, in order to meet standard standards that she thought it would be better for the animals and just really grown around agriculture my whole life. My dad later on in his life went into growing kamu kamu, which is a superfood, um, super rich of vitamin C, 400 times more than um, than an orange compared to, to the vitamin C content in the Amazons in the, um, right in Peru in the border of Colombia and Brazil. So, um, just being familiar with agriculture since, since I grew up. And when I moved to the U S my mom got remarried and, um, had a very typical immigrant story, moved in, um, didn't speak English when I joined um, high school and, um, but always very active into sports and, um, I'm really thankful that my parents really um, put that on me as, as a little girl, and I was able to um, being able to to be part of the community um, quickly and uh, learn English within a few months, and um, always thrived in academics. So um, I had a really good transition and, and went to college and, and up in Pennsylvania at Penn State. And um, once once I joined the corporate world. Um, I started doing consulting um, and it was really there when I saw and I learned um, I did consulting for one of the largest food distributors in the U.S., uh, UNFI, which does the um, mm-hmm. majority of distribution for Whole Foods in, in retail. And I learned how to really move um, cases in and out and how the domestic U.S. Um, logistics worked. I did some work for Nike as well. Um, but it was really food where my passion um, grew. I went to work for a small coffee company after that. And most recently, I was uh, part of Cava, which is a Mediterranean fast casual based in D.C., over 100, uh, 150 locations to date. Um, and I was the head of um, supply chain procurement R&D and again, anything to do with food. And um, it was really there where I saw the white space for the consumer, how the consumer wanted to know more about its food, where it came from, support those local farmers. But how do you do that for items that just don't grow locally? And you still want to carry those um, values for your food and know where it comes from and 
the nutritional profile of it or how it's washed, processed, the people behind it. And that's really where the idea of Simply came about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about the problem right now with the supply chain. Well, today's world in supply chain is uh, probably a little bit different uh, before COVID, but overall in the food world, um, what we are trying to accomplish at Simply is to tackle fraudulent international food activity um, while combating climate change and improving the livelihoods of our farmers and their communities. So um, we are in a global economy and sometimes some items like olive oil, extra virgin olive oil that um, we work with farmers in Sparta, Greece and bring that item to market in the U.S. Um, is the number one most, most fraudulent food item um, period um, mm. with upwards of 70 to 80 percent of bottles sold commercially being fraudulent. Um, if it's, you know, mis- misguiding the consumer from where it comes from or its nutritional properties, the level of antioxidants, when it was harvested, um, and the list goes on. So we just wanted to be able to provide transparency to the consumer so the consumer can be educated on making those decisions. And we believe by having the information, you're being able to choose what's right for you and really um, understand what are the items that um, will be able to fit within your diet or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go back to the olive oil. So when you say like when it's harvested, um, and I know those different grades of olive oil, so maybe that's saying on the bottle that's extra virgin and it ends up being from a second pressing or something like that. Yes, that's, that's absolutely an example. Um, it could be that extra virgin olive oil by definition is the, uh, first press of, of the olive fruit, but it also, on paper needs to have uh, the maximum of levels of ethanols with it is 0.8. Um, so if you have a really great harvest and you have the first press and it's around 0.2 or 0.5, you have some room um, to the maximum level where you could do some mixing, maybe with you know second or third press because the regulation allows you to do so. So that is one one, um, part that we've seen on the fragile activity. Second has been um, country of origin, really just telling the consumer if the olive oil is coming from Greece, Italy, Spain, or versus Morocco or Turkey or Argentina, just really telling the story, right, um, of the product and being able to champion what's what's behind it um, so the consumer is informed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so now another thing you said it was country of origin. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of what's going on with that sometimes. I know that that can be mislabeled too. Yes, country of origin can be mislabeled per um, per bottle of the country. If what's very common in the industry is um, having some extra virgin olive oil from Greece, which is usually a higher quality from the Koroneki variety and exporting that to other countries. Um, and using that to be able to meet the, 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 that requirement of, um, of antioxidants in the bottle and labeling where the country is being um, where the country is being bottled or carrying that country of origin of Greece, even though it has been mixed with other olive oil from other other countries. Um, and then it gets messy because it can also be from different different harvest dates, or it could be from 
um, different regulations. Every country is very different onto labeling and requirements than the FDA is. So it just gets into a really messy world rather than um, what we do at Simply is we just focused on single origin ingredients that we believe is going to be um, better for you. And it's also going to have the nutrient dense profile um, within the product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you guys source from a couple hundred different farms. That's a lot. Yes. So our, our model really has been to, um, in order to be impactful and into the mission that we have, and you know, these are big, big things that we're going after is to, um, in order to do that, we believe you have to have volume. So we work at scale. We go to communities and um, communities of 200, 300 farmers, and we will buy their whole harvest for one, two, or three years. Um, uh-huh. We commit to communities that are willing to go through a transitional organic program, communities that are willing to go through a regenerative organic program, and we match with Um, companies or consumers that will value that, right? And we will pay up front the certifications of if it's Fair for Life or USD Organic or Regenerative Organic Alliance. Um, We'll also have work with our agronomists and staff with their leadership team of the co-ops to really analyze the the plans, um, the organic plans and how to implement it, how to execute it and how to track it. Um, so we can create a market for those communities. So we believe in order to be impactful to farmers at, for the countries that we're working at and for the price point that we want to be able to achieve for them and develop um, economic growth for them is being able to um, commit to them to the stability of a market as they go through all these different programs and improvements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So you contract with the the let's say a village and you're going to buy their product. Then let's say when you're contracting with that, um, do you, uh, you don't pay up front. I'm assuming you just tell them you're going to buy it. And then, you know, if it meets the standards, then you're going to buy it. Correct. So we contracted out for a certain period of time and we pay at front from harvest. So when product is picked up, at um, their farming location, the product is paid, which is very different than um, regular regular export um, deals where the product will be paid not at the farm level, not when the product is processed, but when the product arrives into the U.S., um, that's when payment terms usually are for farmers. So that oh, could wow. be anywhere from 30 to 60 days. And so the, we alleviate that by paying upfront, um, by creating stability of the market, by paying above market price, which I think it's, um, we're setting the standard. And I think it, with fair trade and fair for life, um, you, you're following that, but we believe by providing a market to them is more impactful. Um, because it, they don't have to go and, and see where next day, where they're going to go um, and sell their product. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and now what range of countries do you work with? We work in South America today in Peru, um, being Peruvian myself. We started working out of uh, communities that um, I could create a vertical supply chain and, and make this case study work of the model that we're building at Simply. Um, out of Peru, we work with communities that grow quinoa, that is rotationally, um, the crop rotation for that is lupini beans. 
um, okay. chia seeds and is also um, rotated with ch uh, chia seeds with amaranth, which is another Andean grain. Um, and we are expanding to artichokes as well um, in creating one of the first is scalable transitional organic programs with a community. Um, artichokes in the market, organic artichokes in the market are very hard to come by um, and haven't found a community that is doing it at scale, mainly because of the regions that are grown in. Um, mm -hmm. So we're excited to, to bring that into market. Um, and Brazil, Asai, um, entering, um, launching in next month with a partnership with the Nature Conservancy that has been working with indigenous communities up in Macapá, the northern part of Brazil, for, um, for some years. And the community is ready to um, enter the export market. And we thought it, it could be a really great partnership to really access that and for them to have a market for the product that they're growing. Um, in Europe, we work in Greece uh, for the olive oil. We thought that having that item in our portfolio um, is really important for, for what we stand for. And we wanted to learn um, all the different steps and why this item is um, the most fraudulent food item. Kalamata olives, they grow in a similar region as well. And Gigante beans up north of, of um, Greece. And those are rotated with, with chickpeas as well. Um, and then Ukraine, we started working out of Ukraine for organic sunflower oil, um, sunflower oil being one of the healthiest vegetable oils in the market. Uh -huh. And uh, again, it was, uh, the oils is just a, is a very, um, it's a very, very big market and a market that um, vegetable oils are usually um, labeled as vegetable oils. And that could be soybean, that could be canola, that could be um, sunflower. And we just wanted to bring what we believe one of the best alternatives um, since it's healthier because of the monosaturated fats in it, um, single, single origin, and um, it's higher smoke point as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, Thriving Farmers, where are you on your Thriving Farmer journey? So if you go to our website, growingfarmers.com, you can click on the assessment button and that will take you to a form, ask you a few different questions, and that will help you figure out where you are on the five stage thriving farmer journey. And what that does then is kicks you a customized PDF that gives you resources to know exactly what to focus on next in your business to go to the next level. So go to growingfarmers.com and click on the assessment. So that's a, a, a cool, quite the range. Now, let's say you're moving into a country. How do you make sure you find the right people? Because obviously, um, there's a lot of farms you're working with. So we believe that in order to be successful in the country we work with, you we have to work with lo the locals and just really understand um, their thought process and, and how they're working, how they've been working for thousands of years and just really um, learn with them and trying to support within the gaps. And the majority of the gaps are going to be in education, in paperwork and standardization and formalizing the organization that those farmers have created. Um, so we really have seen that part uh, being really as a value add and accessible to them outside of all the other benefits that we work with. So, but at every country that we work with, we have a, um, country manager that is from Peru, that is from Brazil, that is from Greece, that is from Ukraine, um, that they speak the, the local language, but also understands the country's politics, export law, um, and all the um, nuance that comes with that. 
And then within each community, farming community that we work with, we have a community manager that the people of the villages and areas know them. Um, either you know they have grown there, their families have farmers there. So they are a voice of knowledge within the uh, community. And we just partner with them to really um, create an, an access to that. And we, we believe by doing that, we are not imposing, we're just partnering up together to create um, a better market. Gotcha. So now you're also working with them to build more regenerative into their business. Um, how does that training work? For Regenerative Organic, it's an initiative that we are very excited to be part of. Um, regenerative Organic Practices has been something that's been around. The practices themselves have been around for thousands of years uh, from indigenous communities or the way that they've been managing their land. And we're very excited to be the first South American company, food company, to be Regenerative Organic certified by Regenerative Organic Alliance. Uh, for some of our items, um, including quinoa and lupini beans. And this has been a year in the making uh, program with uh, Regenerative Organic Alliance and EcoCert um, to get to this point, but it has been a, a really uh, a huge learning experience for us, but also for the community. Uh, we certified about 270 farmers up in Puno, Peru, um, which is about 14 to 16,000 feet up. Um, and the majority of the agricultural practice were there. Uh, there were some changes maybe with the rotation. Um, we had to integrate a third crop um, on the rotation side. So uh, beans for the nitrogen, quinoa, and in the third is a combination of either wheat or corn um, on, on the crop. We also had to um, implement more infrastructure within this, this leadership team and just transparency onto how um, the organization was was um, was structured. We had to make some changes into their compost as well, um, and introducing compost to certain farmers uh, within the community. So there were some adjustments, but the core of it was there, and it was just really being able to align their uh, practices to the certification. And we believe certification is really important, um, and it's a benefit for them, but it's also a benefit to the consumer because it is going to educate the consumer to distinguish the quinoa that is on the shelf with a regenerative organic certification versus a quinoa that it doesn't have it and is not um, impacting the climate change, the biodiversity of its area, or, or the benefits that comes with regenerative agriculture, healthier soil, and so on. Um, so it is an educa educated point to the consumer, but also it allows the farmer to, um, to continue to keep the practices they're doing, not change them because, because the market now values that onto what we're, they're doing, right? Um, so I think it really is a really exciting movement. And for us, um, being able to have that certification and having um, that education point for the consumer is something really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so then, okay. So it goes to the farmers and then do you contract that product directly to other people or does it come into, you guys have like a warehouse and then it goes back out. We have our warehouse outside of the port of Baltimore. 
um, where we bring containers in directly. And then from a warehouse, we distribute them, distribute them out to our partners um, and, and consumers. So by being able to have our own space, we're able to inspect the product that comes in with traceable lots on each container, making sure that the product um, has or, or the right labeling and lot, um, lot coding from country of origin, um, and then being able to, 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 to do all the inspection in person. Gotcha. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about, let's say a farmer's interested in getting into the wholesale business. They want to like sell to like someone like these larger suppliers. What kind of things do they need to start thinking about and get set up to make this work? Mainly it would be on, on the um, traceability, quality documentation piece. Um, in order to, to start selling to the bigger players out there, um, which are going to be your either manufacturers or your co-packers, your um, ready-to-eat uh, facilities that are pulling, you know, larger volume, significant volume, is being able to have all your documentation in place, um, either by by following all the FDA regulation out there as an import company um, ourselves and work in all the the right customs paperwork, um, declaring the goods. But going into deeper into the, the quality assurance and quality control, um, specifically it, where it has been packaged, washed, um, does it follow any of the NSF uh, programs, which it can be BRC or SQF, um, is the plant certified with um, USD Organic, has it gone through an audit of kosher, um, now Regenerative Organic Alliance being the new one out there, if it's certified for that, gluten-free, um, Bioterrorism Act, all those things that, um, that you have to comply in order to um, have access to those, those bigger guys. So quality control, quality assurance, and documentation, being able to back up that all that work and all that good that the farmer has done and has put a time for years to grow that crop or um, a year and has kept all those um, all those practices in places have been tracked and there's documents to to back it up. Gotcha. Okay. So basically all that has to be put in place before they start selling to um, someone. Now, what kind of quantities? I mean, I, I know you talked about you know, 150 million in purchasing spend, but what kind of quantities are typically coming from an individual farm? Yeah, so the minimum quantities that of the communities that we work with are a container load. So that would oh, wow. be um, 44,000 pounds of finished product. Um, but we work with communities that are not there yet. Mm -hmm. And what we do is the, pro the transition organic program that we have is... Um, if a community hasn't been formalized, so they don't have a COP, and a, and a COP would be a group of farmers that um, are identified as a group and they can hold certifications themselves. Um, that's great. But there's so many other farmers out there that are not there yet. They would love to get there, um, but it's, it's still, you know, still a million miles away to them because it is a process. So what we do is we identify the community. And if the community um, has the growth potential and we know that we can be impactful and they would like to work with us, then we set up, uh, we start working with them where we directly 
will outsource a truck and go from farmers houses to pick up the product, you know, anywhere from 10 to hundred kilos, um, put it up in our, you know, we check the product at their home, at their farmers, we change it to our simply branded bags and we go from house to house. This process usually takes about three weeks. Once we have enough product, which is about 40, 40,000 pounds from that community, then we bring it into processing for export. So, and then with that community self, we start working on to how can we get that community into um, a co-op level so that community now can benefit from those certifications or those programs that we can put in place um, so they can access a higher export price. So we have those two supply chains set up because we believe that, again, in order to be impactful, not everyone is going to be at that level. Um, so let's create a channel for them to get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, how long have you guys been in this, this, the Simply business? Simply is relatively a young company. We have, we started in January, 2020. So right before wow. COVID and uh, the pandemic. So um, it was definitely a, uh, a learning curve and yeah. something that uh, challenged no, I mean, I challenged everyone's life and, um, but also simply as a, as a young company and something we're getting started. So we were focused mainly on food service. Um, we, with my background being at Cava and, and knowing the industry quite well, um, our strategy was to get a few accounts and, you know, bring inventory in. We already had the communities that we were working with and uh, let's get everything going. And we had three national accounts that, um, said yes to the program. And we were so excited. We signed them. We brought inventory in, in March. I remember March, like the March 1st was that when the, yeah. um, <laughs> the first container got in and, you know, we're about to, to deliver those, those pallets into their distribution centers and everything collapsed. Right. And um, no one knew really what was happening. So the product couldn't get delivered and we had to adjust and um, grow and, and really think outside the box or what to do with this with this inventory use brought in while being good partners of these three new restaurants that we just signed because they're going through a lot. Um, no one knows what's going on. So um, so we, we pivoted to meal kit companies. So ready to eat companies, grab and go, which during that time and, and still today really has taken off. So um, if you think of your Splendid Spoons or Daily Harvest, um, mm-hmm. HelloFresh, those are the companies that we focused on moving this inventory and just really grow the first year. Um, and then thankfully, restaurant industry came back and we were able to continue to grow into, into that side of business and simply has been um has been able to grow significantly because of that. And I think that small companies have, that's one of the benefits of just being able to adjust and, and really think outside the box quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Obviously, you know, as you said, your background, knowing the industry, knowing the people allows you to get, you know, started on the ground and just go from there a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, definitely. That definitely helped. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, would you like to share anything else before we go? Well, that's a first, thank you for 
um, having me again. It was a blast talking to you and sharing a little bit of what we're doing here simply um, by working directly with international farming communities and creating a market for those items that are single origin, nutrient dense, um, while tackling our, the fragile uh, food activity that we see in global supply chains and, and helping combating this climate change that we're all facing one way or the other um, and improving the livelihoods of our farmers. So thank you for, for sharing our story. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm actually, I think, you know, obviously when you're contracting from those farmers, because it's a single source, can are you able to give them a, a, a better price rate than what's typically happening for them? Yes, absolutely. We pay above market price than any of our competitors um, would, you know, will be coming into that specific farmer. So um, that's definitely one of the benefits of working with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. Well, it's great to hear how this is going. And uh, yeah, thanks for all you do. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. Take care. Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.